When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kia ora and good morning. Welcome along to the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner. Enterprise, the recruitment company improving people's lives for over 50 years. I'm your host, Frankie Mackay. Producer Jacob's alongside me as always. And over the next hour, well, we're going to chat sport through a red and black lens. I feel like I say it every time I sit in the chair. There's so much going on at the moment. And there is, there's been some big news this week. And I guess the biggest things is Canterbury Rugby League, the, the partnership with the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs. How good is that? All Blacks squad of course that always gets people talking uh, I'm pleased to see Richie Moe back in the number 10 jersey shocked to see no Damien McKenzie at all in the 23 but thrilled once again to see Tamaiti Williams on the bench hopefully a debut for him and wishing him all the best and what else got people talking through the week well I guess the Gary Stead reappointment back to Black Caps coach he's still in the driver's seat oh, I think it's a good thing I think he gets a, a bit of unnecessary flack at times and I actually think he does a pretty good job so I think that keeps it nice and stable there's a new selector new bowling coach in so I think there's there's enough change in that group to to keep them going for now and that's that's what's been going on during the week but what's going on this weekend in Canterbury well the Illuminate Light and Sound Show in Christchurch that's still going on today and Sunday through the night out at Ferrymead Heritage Park Kids Fest yes there's still a couple of days going with that Saturday and Sunday check it out various locations all around Christchurch if you need something for the kids to go and do the last couple of days before school Te Mai, the Lights Festival in Victoria Park and going along the Avon and punting they're putting on some Tirama Mai tours as well. They leave from the Antigua boat sheds. There's a Matariki Maketi that'll be at the Arts Centre. That's tomorrow though, 10 till 4, and there's plenty of Matariki celebrations going on all over the city. Of course, it's Farapama Cup. That gets started this weekend. Uh, today, 12.05 from Rugby Park, under 16s free, adults $5. So great chance to get along and watch some good footy. And of course, there's heaps of club sport going on. You know, we heard from Donnie Bell from the Integrity Unit last week. He gave us the lowdown on all things club sport. I guess the biggest news, Varsity, the minor premiers, they got tipped up by high school old boys, so they're playing again this week, playing for their life this time. So that's the big news there. There's lots going on in the show. We're going to talk cricket, of course, of course. We're going to chat with the Farapama coach, Jimmy Sinclair, and we're also going to catch up with Malcolm Hum about that newly announced partnership. So time to get into it. We'll take a quick break here and then start things off with the cricket. Joining us this morning is one of World Cricket's form all-rounders at the moment. He's been busy playing for the Netherlands at the World Cup qualifiers. A former Cantab, we won't hold that against him, who loves to dance and apparently loves super overs even more. It is, of course, Logan Van Beek. Logan, welcome to the show and welcome home. Has it all sunk in now, what you and, and your side were able to achieve over in Zimbabwe? Yeah, well, good morning. Yes, Frankie. Uh, so I had 36 hours on a flight back from Zimbabwe and I, I, I was able to sit uh, in my flight uh, in my seat pretty happy, chappy, uh, knowing that we, we came over, had a job to do, had a goal in mind, and it was it was really cool to be able to achieve that goal. So, no, it's um, definitely sunk in and I, I just can't wait to get to India. 
Yeah, how good. I mean, look, he finished 13th in, in that Cricket Super League. He headed over to Zimbabwe mm. for the qualifiers. Did did you feel going over you were, a, you were a good chance to make it through to that top two that eventually did gain entry in, into that World Cup? Yeah, so I think a, a good con- contributor to us qualifying was the fact that we were in that Super League. And last year we had ODI series against New Zealand, Pakistan, West Indies, England. Uh, and so, and then, then also we played Zimbabwe and South Africa. Um, although we didn't win many games, the guys that were at this qualifying tournament played in pretty much most of those games. Mm-hmm. And so over time, the experience that you get and I, I guess as well the 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 dauntedness. I don't know if that's a word. The dauntedness or the 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 fear of playing these big nations kind of wears off a little bit, and you realise that they're just you know they're just cricketers at the end of the day. And so the the work that we had done over the last year, especially under Ryan Cook, who's you know a fantastic coach. Uh, and when I arrived over in in Amsterdam for a week before heading to Zimbabwe, there was just a, a good feel within the, amongst the, the team. And once we got to Zimbabwe, you know, our, our culture was coming together. You know, the, the, we had clear roles within the team. Uh, the style of cricket that we were were playing was was it just felt good. And so going into the tournament, we we were feeling good and we felt like we were a good chance. And then, I guess once uh, we tipped West Indies over, it was kind of all go. And and yeah, thankfully we we were able to do the do the business. Yeah, and I th- I think I saw a little believe sign at a couple of points throughout the tournament, and and the, mm. the oars that are now famous as well. Can you give me a little bit of chatter yes. on those? Yes, yes, yes. So we, the theme for the 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 tournament was row the boat. So when we were in Amsterdam, uh, Ryan Cook got us to hop into these rowboats in teams of four, and we we spent the afternoon rowing around the canals of Amsterdam, and the guys were h- hilarious. You know, guys were struggling to be in time and. <laughs> Um, the oars were going in too deep and anyway we kind of all finished that afternoon and then the first meeting we had as a as a team he, he kind of revealed that you know the theme of the tournament is going to be row the boat and he each gave us uh, uh, an oar which was uh, a wooden spoon painted in orange and had the, the Dutch flag down the bottom of, bottom of it and he got us to write a name on one side and then a word that we're going to bring to this team to this tournament um, and over the course of the four or five weeks, you, you had to present your oar to the team, and that could happen before the game, it could happen the night before in the team meeting, um, at, 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 any, at any point. And so it just, over time, the that whole theme around rowing the boat and, and what you're going to contribute to that boat uh, was clear. Uh, we also had a Player of the Day award, which was like a giant oar, that uh, got presented after each each match. Uh, we had a soul hat, which got presented every day, um, and it was just around you know who was showing uh, soul, which was you know selflessness, ownership, unity, and learning. And so that was something that was passed around every day. Um, and then as well with the believe sign. So the the guys who weren't playing, they were all kind of 20, 21, 22. Uh, they call themselves the electric eels because uh, <laughs> they would always be filling up drink bottles with electros and that kind of flowed onto electric eels. But they're also, everyone's a big fan of Ted Lasso. And one of the one of the guys ordered it online and it was actually the West Indies game. He just kind of surprised us all and, and put the believe sign 
just where we were sitting in the dugout. And as we were walking out, everyone was touching the belief sign just before they went out to bat. And so that, that just would, you know, became one of our, one of our things. So the, the, the team culture that we had, uh, the enjoyment we were having on and off the field was, you know, something that I haven't, haven't experienced um, in a long time. And it was, it was, it was just cool. And it just made for the, the tournament, it just made the tournament so much more enjoyable. And I was, you know, I've, I was a believer of culture and how important it is amongst the team. Uh, but I was also, you know, does it result in performances? And then this tournament is a testament to that where, you know, our culture was, you know, in fine form and it, and it resulted in us being able to go out there with full freedom and just perform our role as best we could. And, and yeah, it just it made for exciting games and it made for some amazing performances. It sure did. And, and back on the oars, do we get to ask what word you picked? Yes. So I, I actually presented my oar the morning of the West Indies game and my word was battle. And we, had, we actually had an Olympic rower, a guy called, by the name of Drew Jin, uh, did a, like a, a, a Zoom interview with us and he presented us for about an hour and a half and he's won five gold medals rowing for Australia and he spoke about when they were in the boat how one of the things they focused on was getting themselves in, into the battle and then recognising the moment to strike and so a, a lot of that um, Super League experience was that you know some of the games we didn't really get ourselves in the battle or There'll be other games where we would get ourselves in the battle, but then when there was a moment of strike, we didn't quite nail it. And so I just spoke about, you know, let's let's go into this game today. Let's get ourselves in, into the battle. And when we recognise that moment of strike, let's 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 make the like let's make it count. And um, yeah, I guess my moment of strike was that this happened to be that super over. So no, it was. It was a really cool thing to to buy into, and um, yeah, and so Buster later on the on the last game, well, second to last game against Scotland, when we needed to win uh, the game in 44 overs, he actually presented his oar that morning as well, and he he wrote something special was what he wrote on his oar, and he just said, look, I want to do something special today, and the guy got a five for an 120, um, which was very special. Um, and so it's yeah, it was a, quite a powerful tool that we used throughout the tournament. Yeah, how good! Now, of course, we've got to talk about that West Indies game in particular. So you, your side's chasing just a measly three hundred and seventy-four to win. It gets down to needing one off the last ball. It's probably not the ball we want to talk about it really because you don't end up getting that run. It goes to super over. You're the man in mm. the middle. You're the man right in the thick of things. How do the emotions go? Mm. And how do you end up back out there facing that super over? Yeah, well, I think emotionally, I was actually not feeling anything. Uh, you know, to get to that last ball, I think that was the, that was the only time I really thought about it was that one-off one during uh, the regulation, um, and I just tried to tap it or I just tried to chip it or just make contact. Whereas instead, I should have just gone, look, I'm just wherever this ball is, I'm just going to hit it hard. And so, you know, when that happened, I went, oh, oh well, you know, that's a pity. And then the umpire said, oh, there's a super over. And so I, I was walking off, and then the coach came over with the captain. He's like, okay, you know, who do we put in? Do we put in Max, you know, or do we put in Teju, who just scored 100, or, or should it be Bus? And 
or Scott, do you want to go out there? And I just kind of, I looked at the coach and I said, look, um, I kind of have a good feel of what's going on out there. Like, give me, give me redemption. And he kind of looked at me and he goes, okay, well, where you go then? And I was like, cool. All right. And the cool thing was during, before that over or before they even over started, I just felt really good and calm and relaxed. And I kind of just, I had already accepted the outcome. Like if, you know, if I failed in this moment, it's, it, you know, it's, it's okay. But then, you know, let's give it my best shot. And so I just kind of took a couple of breaths in between each ball. Um, my arms are loose and I just thought, hey, just let's, let's just watch it and see, see how I go. And yeah, <laughs> I guess the rest is, is history now. Um, and it was quite funny. I was, I was running off the field and the captain kind of said, oh, you're bowling the over as well. And then I kind of thought about it. I was like, I, was like, oh, I guess 30 is good. Um, <laughs> I just need to get two, two out of six balls, you know, just to make sure they don't go for boundaries. And then I bowl my first ball and it goes for six. And I, the first thing I thought was like, oh, no, this is not how this is meant to go. I'm not going to get hit for six sixes here, am I? Uh, and then thankfully the next two balls went for ones. And then they needed 23 off three balls and I'm trying to do the mass again I'm like oh, three times six is 18 so that means they will be five short and then I was like alright okay effectively we've kind of won the game but let's just make sure we don't bowl no ball and I just I literally bowled you know two feet behind the line and um, yeah it was once the, the the final wicket would happen and all the boys are running in I guess all the elation and all the kind of what, what we had just achieved was it was coming in and um, yeah, it was a really, really cool moment and uh, one of probably my more enjoyable cricketing moments that I've had. Yeah, well, I'd hope. There's, there's not too many moments, is there, that you go out there, you, you strike 30 off a super over, then you've got a bowler, you pick up a couple of wickets, you win the game. You know, the, the emotion of it, being World Cup qualifier, being against one of the teams that, that I think a lot of people, casual observers, definitely thought would be one of the teams that would go through, you know, you've got to be feeling like Superman, don't you, at the end of that? That's got to be one of the best little 20-minute blocks of your career. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think I kind of blacked out as well at the same time, where even after it had happened, I was speaking to uh, Carlos, I think, Braithwaite afterwards. And it, it was, yeah, it was a little bit surreal because I, I actually just felt quite calm. And I was like, yeah, well, I kind of always knew that I was capable of, of something like that. Um and, you know, I'd shown glimpses of it here in New Zealand in the Super Smash. I guess ne- never to the extent of 30 off the over, but I'd always felt like I was capable of doing something special. And, you know, I've been craving to be that finisher for Wellington, that finisher for the Netherlands, for that finisher for any team. Um, and so it was, just, it was so satisfying to be able to do it in that moment. Um, but also do it in a way that, you know, I felt calm. I felt like I should be, I should be there. I should be in this moment uh, and I'm more than capable of, of delivering in this moment. So I think it was, yeah, something that I've been wanting to prove um, and it was just nice to be able to prove it in that type of match. Um, and, yeah, absolutely. And for me, I, just, I, feel, I feel like it's just a start um, in terms of being, being the finisher that I've, you know, I've always wanted to be and, and if it's you know, for whoever team I play for, um, I want to be that guy. In that moment, yeah. Well, I, th- I think you might be stuck with that role now. So I'm pleased you've enjoyed it because I think uh, I think Logan, you you will be the finisher. That's 
that's your your tag that you've gone with. But uh, there's more cricket still to come. You know, now you've qualified for this 10-team World Cup. I've got to ask, It's I don't want to really put you on the spot with it, but surely, you know, it is a 10-team World Cup. Surely we're past the stage now, aren't we, where 10's the magic number? I mean, a Super 6 at this qualifying tournament, none of those teams would look out of place at a World Cup. Surely we're at the stage where we, we're ready to expand, aren't we? Yeah, well, I think the, that qualifying tournament was, you know, if ICC don't look at that and go, okay, well, hold on, you know, Netherlands and Scotland and um, Zimbabwe and Western, like these, all these teams deserve to be at a at a World Cup, and you, it's called a World Cup for a reason, isn't it? It's you know, you you want to have as many teams there as possible. Um, you know, cricket is a funny sport the way it's, uh, you know, the way it's it is kind of dictated by by India, Australia. England um, and you know I, I still don't uh, quite know how it all works but it's it's yeah it's um, it is sad that there, there can't be other teams because you know the, it was heartbreaking watching Zimbabwe the, st- mm. the way they started the tournament and then for them to you know miss out by net, net run rate you know the way that Scotland were playing again missed out by net run rate Um and, and it's, you know, we could have easily been in that position as well and, and think, wow, we were so close to being in India. And, and now, you know, a lot of those teams don't have any fixtures for uh, a long time, especially the associate teams. Um, and so, you know, they're, they're going to be watching the World Cup and thinking, you know, we, we, we deserve to be there just as much as, you know, those other teams. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think hopefully, you know, it goes back, back to maybe a 14 uh, or a sixteen, a sixteen-team World Cup where there's actually four pools of four, you know the the top the top eight go through, or they have a super sixes again. Um, yeah, I'm not sure, but at, at this stage, it's a ten-team World Cup. We've qualified, so I'm just going to concentrate on that. Yeah, absolutely, and you can go and be the giant killers at, at that World Cup as well. So. You know, quickly, what what do the next few months look like? I've seen your coaches put out a bit of a plea to please anyone play the Netherlands. We want some fixtures. But what do the next couple of months look like for you in, in preparation for that tournament? Yeah, so for me, uh, I've got the GT20, which I leave on Monday um, for, for two weeks in, in Toronto, in Canada, which is uh, I'm in, a, in a team coached by Shane Bond, captained by Tim Southey, and Mark Chapman's there. Uh, Colin de Gromholm's there, Max O'Dowd is also in the team, so that's going to be a fun couple of weeks playing a bit of T20 cricket. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping to uh, pick up an opportunity over in the UK uh, just to kind of keep the, the rhythm going, keep the cricket going. And then I'd say towards the end of September, I think um, we'll be definitely looking to go somewhere in the subcontinent. And yeah, the, Ryan Cook did put out a plea in terms of you know fixtures and sponsorship and um, you know, this is this is hopefully we can we can leverage that and and manage to get a really good prep going into that first game against Pakistan on October sixth. So uh, there's nothing been worked out yet. I think they're all around a, a table at the moment trying to work out how they're going to play this out. Um, but I think at this stage the boys are taking a you know a few weeks off. Um, most of the, all, all the guys went back to the Netherlands. They're all playing club cricket till the end of. August, so yeah, it's. Um, I'm sure we'll find out the next few weeks how that's how that's looking. But yeah, if we can we can maintain that momentum 
that we that we built during this qualifiers, and and we'll also add a couple of players that are that will be finished with their county season, which will be great. Um, you know, and uh, I'm also looking forward to the new theme that Ryan Cook comes up with, whether we're rowing a uh, driving a ship this time or uh, who knows what he's going to come up with. But you know, it's going to be an exciting time and a, and a bit of a life goal that I've I've always wanted to. Um, Take off, which, which was play a 50 over World Cup, and it's you know, um, I just can't wait. Yeah, it's exciting times, that's for sure. And, and and we can't wait either, we will be cheering you on every step of the way. But Logan, we appreciate your time as always, mate. It's it's great to chat, and and a big congratulations on your performances at the qualifiers. It was look, it was bloody awesome to watch and, and see the success that you and your team had. So we'll definitely be cheering on the Orange come uh, come World Cup time as well. Cheers, Frankie. No, I appreciate that. That was Netherlands all-rounder and superstar Logan Van Beek sharing his experiences of the Cricket World Cup qualifiers. It's break time now and we'll be back chatting some big news out of Canterbury Rugby League this week. We love talking local sport here on the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner and Trident Homes love supporting it. Trident Homes, designed for living, built for life. This week some really exciting news came out of Canterbury Rugby League so we thought we'd go straight to the man involved. Right in the middle of it all, Canterbury Rugby League CEO Malcolm Howe. Malcolm, thanks for joining. How are you? It's It's been a pretty big week. How are you feeling about it all? Yeah, no, Frankie, we're feeling um, we're feeling really positive about it and it has been a big week and it's, it's been a wee while coming but um, yeah, it's been a couple of exciting weeks getting the, the partnership piece over the line. Yeah, that, that's that's one question I did have is how long has this been in the, in the pipeline for? How, how long have you been working on it? And how exactly did this come about? Yeah, look, like uh, I guess many NRL clubs, they they come over, Frankie, and they, they're looking to identify um, young players that they might look to transition over in some period of time. And look, it was just so mattered. We were we work out in Ipuna line. The Canterbury Bulldogs were, were there and we just got talking, you know, about how, how it works. We some informal conversations and we started I guess we both had a vision of what could what could be and um from there the discussions became a little bit more serious and informal and we we had a discussion around a partnership agreement and we both thought that was a, a really good idea in terms of a confirmation. So yeah, we, we that's the road we went down. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. So the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs, it's a full merger, isn't it, with Canterbury Rugby League? So so what exactly does that I guess does that look like? Look, it's not a merger as such. So it's not a it's not an acquisition or a merger. It's it's a partnership agreement. So what it really means is we will work together uh, for the benefit of both our, our for their club and for our district, uh, Frankie. Um, and there's a number of different areas we will do that, whether it be coaching, whether it be um, player development, um, and also around competitions as well. So it's certainly not a it's not a merger as such. It's a partnership agreement. Yeah, I, I think it sounds like a. I think it sounds really positive. I mean, all all the stuff I've heard about it so far, I think ticks a lot of boxes. I think there'll be a lot of people excited about it. Have there been a few people, maybe the opposite, maybe a little bit of negativity, a bit of concern that maybe it just makes it easier for, I mean, the the dreaded word I'm going to use here is poaching, for for that Australian club to come over and poach all our best up-and-coming young players out out of Canterbury and out of New Zealand. Has there been a a little bit of that or has it been largely positive, the feedback you've got so far? No, no, it has been largely positive, and, and there has been a little bit of that. But you know, this this um, part of this came around uh, the development of our new strategic plan um, late last year, Frankie, and and listened to our community, our clubs, um, and our fraternity. It became really clear that 
they wanted us to form some sort of partnership with an NRL club or clubs to support our coaches and our players having pathways to the NRL. Or it could be Jersey Flag, it could be Harold Matthews, whatever that be, they wanted Canterbury Rugby League to develop some sort of partnership. So, you know, as a membership organisation, we need to listen to our people. Yeah, I love to hear that, actually. I think that's a brilliant way to go about it. So you see this partnership extending through through your entire organisation. You're going to see you know, coaching and management staff getting seeing some of the big, I guess, influences, big positives from this as well? Yeah, certainly a starting point is with our coaches, Frankie. Um, we believe we've got, you know, we've got some really good coaches here. Um, they have some development needs like us all, and we believe that through this partnership with Academy Bulldogs, given their um, given their history, given the number of um, teams they have, that we're going to be able to support our coaches with with quality uh, coach development opportunities. And and is this partnership? going to come into effect straight away and, and if so what is what does that look like the rest of the season have you got things kind of penciled in here in Canterbury and, and what might we start to see at I guess at the ground level yeah really good question Frankie um, so the first piece will be a coaching piece um, and the Canterbury Bulldogs are currently developing an initiative that they're going to roll out through their coaches and our coaches will have have access to that and we, we're thinking that's going to be six to eight weeks away there is a potential opportunity around some competitions but we've got some work to do around that in terms of our youth competitions um, and their youth teams as well and there's a bit of lining up in terms of when the competition season ends but that's what we'll see and I guess in the near future will really be around the, the coaching piece when we get into next year that's more where we're we're looking to um, develop some camps uh, whether they be in Christchurch or or on the other side of the ditch or our coaches or players get some immersion opportunities at the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs and a camp, camp like scenarios. Awesome. I think that's yeah. it's brilliant. And especially, I mean, there's going to be some big positives for, for the playing group, especially as in the young players coming through, that ability to see, I guess, what you need to do to get to the level, but also next level, but also how, how close that next level actually is for some of these young guys. Oh, most definitely. And there's, you know, there's plenty of examples, as, as we know, you know, and, and for some of our players and for some of our coaches, they just need that little bit of extra uh, quality help that will get them over the line. And we, we certainly believe... In Christchurch, we have some, you know, we've got a hot pot of talent here, whether it be male and female, and we want to be able to, we want to give them a bit of a lift up and support them in that area to, to be able to transition to a, a higher level. And I'm pleased you mentioned the, the female side of the game too. Does this partnership extend into that? Where, where does the, the female game and the female space sit within this? Oh, no, most definitely. This is the conversation has always been around the, the male and female component, and, and it's partly why we are with Canterbury uh, Bankstown because they're, they're, there is a focus for them. They've got a team in the Tarshdale Cup, um, and they are aiming to have a team in the New South Wales Women's Rugby League. So, look, it's, it's always been the conversation has been a bit across the both genders, not one or the other. And what is it, I guess, about the Canterbury Bulldogs that stood out as being the ideal club to merge with? Is it just the this partnership you're developing? Is it just the opportunity came up with them? Or are there some real things that you like what you see from the Canterbury Bulldogs? Yeah, yeah, look, it, it is really, I guess, part of it was around fit. And, you know, sometimes fit is hard to describe right. But, you know, the, mm-hmm. you know, the relationship was, is, there was a genuine, we, 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 we noticed a genuine intent from them in terms of how they wanted to support and look after the youth. And, we, and we've got some, I guess we've already had some observations of that. Um, yeah, that's probably the, the 
the key piece. The other piece is the number of teams they've got on their jersey flag. They've got SG Bull, um, they've got Harold Matthews teams, they've got Bills teams. So they have the they have the whole the whole pathway piece there already. So that was another a key priority for us. We wanted to ensure that there was opportunities along the pathway for our players so if they were ready at any time we could pop them into that that area so that, they were probably the the two key ones key ones and obviously you know they're 88 years old they've got a you know there's some great history with Canterbury Bankstown so we we were confident they were the right club for now yeah and do you think that perhaps this this partnership as well makes the sport start to look a little bit more attractive you perhaps may keep some some really talented players stay in the game a, a little bit longer and and is this going to be a real positive to continue to to keep growing the numbers in Canterbury I know that this season they, they've been going up and up is this another opportunity to just keep pushing them in the right direction yeah uh, Frankie I think you've hit the nail on the head there uh, you know we you know a big piece for us is is attracting and retaining um, players in our game, and I think you know we've got a great, we've got a great game, we've got a great product. It's just what is what's attracting kids these days, what's keeping them in the sport, and uh, we felt we needed to be doing something different, um, something a little bit more exciting that would would support them to stay in the game that they had something to aim for. Yeah, well, look, there's there's plenty of talent in the region, that's for sure. There's plenty of talent in our club scene here as well. And, and while we've got you, can you give us a bit of a rundown about exactly where we're at in the club season and is there anyone that can top the Panthers and the Kias, or are they just the two standouts and, and we're going to see them probably there thereabouts come finals time? Oh, look, um, I think we've, we've... I'll come back to your first question. The, the game is, um, especially in the youth area, where we've got more youth teams this year, which is, which is great. Our juniors are, are going very well as well. Um, we've had a little bit of a decline over the last five years, and maybe COVID had a little bit to do with that in terms of our senior men's and women's numbers, but they are, they are coming back up again. I think in terms of the, uh, the men's competition, Frankie... Um, there might be a, a little bit of an outlier here, and that's in the, the Halls of Hornets. They've, mm. they've beaten Limwood in the last two games. So maybe Halls might be um, the bogey team for the Limwood Cares. But look, that's coming up soon, right? In, in two or three weeks' time, we'll be into that semi-finals, and we'll, um, we'll, we'll find out then. But I think it's certainly going to be between the Hornets, the Cares, or, or the Panthers. Yeah, awesome. Well, I think so too from what I've seen so far this season. But uh, look, a big thanks, Malcolm, for your time. We'll be eagerly watching on to see how this partnership does develop, but definitely exciting times for, for Rugby League in, in Canterbury and in the Christchurch region. Most definitely. Thank you very much, Frankie. That was Canterbury Rugby League CEO Malcolm Hum discussing the recently announced partnership with the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs. And that was your Trident Homes a Local Sports Update. Proud supporters of community sport across Christchurch. Check out our modern show home plans and show home locations at tridenthomes.nz. Ahead of the Farah Palmer Cup kicking off this weekend, we are lucky enough to be joined by Canterbury's new head coach, Jimmy Sinclair. Jimmy, welcome to the show. How, how have you been enjoying this new role so far? Uh, yeah, kia ora, Frankie. Thanks for having me on. Uh, well, it's been awesome. I've been loving, loving the new role. We're all lucky. We've got an awesome management team um and we've got a really cool supportive uh, campaign manager kate sexton she's been um awesome to work with as well so yeah it's been great it's been um it's been fast paced um but yeah we had a really good camp uh last weekend over three days which was really nice to get the group connected um get a bit of clarity and un- unleash kind of what our kind of overarching philosophy is for the season so yeah it's been cool Nice, and there's a few new faces in that management group as well. Who, who have you got on board this year? Uh, yeah, there is. Like we've got Sid Talmudi from last year. He did set piece. 
um, which was great to get some continuity to get him coming back. And then we've got Solomon. Um, he's um, been coaching in Japan. Uh, he played his rugby in Canterbury and a little bit up north as well um, for Northland. So we're really lucky that he's involved. Um, we've still got like Jessie Henson does a little bit about mental skills. So she's awesome in that space and she's been in the environment for a long time and a big part of the legacy. So having her back has been really, really good. Um, we've got yeah, a couple of new physios who are doing an awesome job, new team doctor. Um, yeah, and then we've got um, Kim Smith and Anna McCone and Liz Worthington. So Kim Smith obviously played for Canterbury and was a Blackburn as well. Uh, Conzie played for Canterbury as well. Sorry, Anna McCone played for Anna Livingston. Sorry, recently <laughs> uh, married. So yeah, she's um, yeah she's played for Canterbury and um, Liz is also in that role as well, working with our developing players. So yeah, there's it's a quite a big management group, but I think that's the the strength of the program is it's enabled us to have quite a wide squad. Um, which has been really exciting, bringing in some new talent into the environment and just doing some education around, you know, what what is required at the kind of next level of rugby. So that's been exciting. Yeah, cool. And and it is. It's an exciting time for for women's rugby. I think on the whole, what what is it that made you want to get involved in and be head coach of this group? Uh, well, I've I've been involved in women's rugby for I think like ten years now, um, and. Yeah, I hadn't coached for a while. My background was being coaching sevens, so I knew I knew a few of the girls who had been involved in sevens. Um, but yeah, I think the reason that I wanted to get involved with this team was probably the excitement of um, of the challenge. I think around like how many black friends they have, and and also like I think working for Canterbury Rugby for the past five years in the community team and working alongside Blair Baxter and Tony Christie and Whitney Hanson and and other other people that have contributed to that environment, I think, um, yeah, I felt like I was a little bit connected to the environment from an outsider for for a while. So I think it was just good timing. And again, I was really excited to kind of see where the legacy could go, you know, in terms of they've created 10 black ferns. And so definitely that's awesome. And we're going to keep growing those black ferns. And then the new challenges kind of, you know, over the future, um, where's the next tier of black ferns coming from? And that that's going to be stemmed from the, you know, the systems and the philosophies we put in place in the future. So, yeah, I think there was just a genuine excitement um, for the for the kind of growth to be a part of the legacy. And then there's probably the second part was, like, working with um, Whitney Henson um, and Kate Sexton because part of the role is obviously doing some skills coaching with all of our hubs players that exist here in Canterbury. So I think working with Whitney has been um, awesome. She's a real creative thinker. Um, and she's really good at challenging thinking as well. So I think that was the other part too, knowing that that would stretch my coaching. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. You mentioned that legacy piece to it. It's a team that's been successful, uh, especially in, in recent times. There's been a lot of success for this Canterbury side. But, you know, as a coach, does it does it maybe feel a little bit daunting coming into a setup like that? I think often when you see, you know, a coaching change in teams, it's often when teams are not necessarily going that well. But but you're coming on board to a to a very successful team. A little bit daunting or, or just cool chance to, to add your little spin on, on a pretty proud legacy and, and proud history? Yeah, I think, um, well, you know, it's the way you look at life from any angle, right? Um, half full, half empty. I suppose that, that for me, is the exciting piece around taking on a team that, um, you know, has that legacy because then it means that you really have to be on your game as a coach, which is part of the exciting piece. That, that was part of the draw card is, 
Um, I think I spoke about it in one of my original um, interviews. But it's important to understand that, like, yeah, you can definitely take over a team that is struggling and you can make quick wins 100%. And that, that's still really important. I think for this current time, I was really excited because um, I was probably nervous by taking the role, to be fair, mm. because of just what you said around, yeah, there's, there is a little bit of uh, expectation, um, which potentially comes with some pressure. So, yeah, you do have to be on your game. Um, but I think that's the exciting part because that, that's going to grow your coaching, right? Um, yeah. You know, we don't get better by staying in our comfort zone, I suppose, is, is how I'd look at that. Yeah, absolutely. And and what about the side that you've been able to put together? What, what do you make of the, the mix of your squad? Do you, do you like what you see? I guess the thing we've talked about, those black ferns, I think there's 10 of them. But there's also plenty of new faces around as well. So do you like having that, that mix of a bit of youth, a bit of experience and, and that excitement that new players tend to bring to a group? Yeah, I think one of the greatest things that's happened in Canterbury is we've done a good job sequencing, um, you know, leaders that are coming up. So we're really fortunate, eh? Like, we've got Di Henney and Marcel um, Parks and Emma Dermody and Martha and a few other players who are doing a great job leading this team. And, and they've been part of the environment while the Black Ferns are in there as well. And the best thing about them is, um, you know, they're just currently bringing the habits and role modelling the behaviour that's always been there. So... One, we're really lucky in that space that we still have some quality leaders because they've been empowered in previous years to lead. And then, yeah, 100%, there's there's some really exciting talent uh, that is about to play on Saturday. And we're really, yeah, we're super excited to see what they can they can bring for sure. Um, we're real lucky too. I think there's like three groups of sisters, four if you include the Brenners mm. in their back. So, yeah, that's quite unique in its own right as well, which is cool, like special to have, um, you know, having your sisters play alongside you. So that's another unique part of the environment as well, which is we're really uh, grateful for. Yeah, and having that experience of those Black Ferns, obviously you don't have them at the moment. They're tied up with the Pack 4 series. They'll come back into the group. But but how exciting to have, I mean, I, I guess just a, a cool opportunity, isn't it? You've got some players in there who have impressed through club rugby. They've really knocked the door down with, with getting selected into the squad. And then it's actually the opportunity to, to get them out in the red and black and see what they can do. Is is that a, a really exciting point to start your season from? Oh, huge. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think I think there's also like some really exciting um, people that are, oh, sorry, there's people that are really excited. Like the other day I ran into um, Kendra Coxedge and she's super excited by the younger players that are going to get their opportunity on Saturday. And yeah, your point's right on the money. Like, you know, watching club rugby this year, um, there were some super exciting players that are putting their hand up. I mean, some of them have come to our program, some of them have moved into the region. Um, but it was super exciting to see, like, especially the brand of rugby that was getting played across club, club footy, like lots of ball movement, um, yeah, so we were, we're, again, it's like, you know, the strength of your rep program is the strength of your club program. So we're real fortunate that um, we did have a quality club program this year in terms of the style of rugby that's getting played here in Canterbury. Yeah, who's impressed so far? Have you got uh, some players that maybe our listeners can keep an eye out for this season? Yeah, there's a there's a couple. There's a there's a one player who's a, who's a lock, um, Laura Bayfield. She's... She's debuting, and we're super excited about her. Um, there's another player, potentially Winnie Palamu. Um, she's brand new in the environment. We're super excited around what the potential she might have. Um, Keely Simpson's another young player that's come from Taranaki that's been impressive. Um, yeah, so there's a couple of players um, that are floating around, which we're looking forward to, yeah. 
Yeah, love it. And and Wellington, first up at home Saturday, the JJ Stewart Trophy on the line as well. What kind of game are we expecting and, and where do you think Wellington will try and take you on? Um, oh, I think, look, Wellington's DNA has always been very strong physically. Um, they bring a lot of a uh, bring a lot of edge in the middle of the field in terms of what they can do there with um, yeah some stronger strong physical players. Uh, they they seem to play quite you know historically uh, like to keep the ball alive and offload in contact. So yeah, we're we're expecting for that and we've been prepping for that um, yeah for most of the week. So yeah, we're pretty. Um, Feeling good around this week in terms of, you know, we haven't had much of an opportunity to scout the opposition, so we're going off historical knowledge. Um, so a bit of our focus probably is around, like, making sure we're knowing our own roles within our team and sticking to what we know is part of our DNA. So, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, for sure, they'll definitely they'll definitely bring some physicality. That's one thing that they, they definitely have. And are you happy with how the build-up's been? Have you had the chance to, to spend a bit of time together? You mentioned getting together for a camp last weekend, but has there been a bit of time to, to groove some of those connections and, and be ready to go for, for game one? Yeah, look, I think we've been real fortunate. I mean, we had a game against Otago a couple of weeks back, which was really good, like a bit of a a bit of a reality check for us, which was a great, which is exactly what we needed. And then, yeah, we've had camp last week, which was a great chance to... One, make some connections, but two, get some real clarity around the way we want to play the game. Um, so, yeah, I think this week, building into this week, has been really good so far. And, yeah, we'll, we'll have our training tonight and, and uh, get into it. And then, yeah, I think we'll be, we'll be uh, ready for Saturday for sure. And if you're thinking people, you know, people heading along or people thinking about watching the game, what, what style of rugby are you wanting to see your team put out there? When, when you think of how Canterbury's going to play their rugby, what's what's the first thing that comes to mind? Um, that's a great question. <laughs> I suppose, look, traditionally, like, I think one of the biggest parts of our DNA is, obviously, like, we enjoy playing expensive rugby, you know, moving the ball side to side, keeping it away from contact. Um, I think one of the biggest things that we do is we, we love to outwork teams in terms of work ethic, something that I think most Canterbury teams pride themselves on. And so I think... The way that that looks too is around like that allows us to play that expensive game because we can work hard to get into our positions early on both defence and attack. So the game's very free-flowing. That's how we want it to be. Um, we want to keep the ball in play. We want to outwork teams by making them tired. So, yeah, I think if people were to come and watch the game, um, they'd certainly enjoy the, the running style of rugby that we play. Yeah, love it. Look, we we are looking forward to it, that's for sure. Can't wait to see this this Canterbury side get into their work this season. And I'm looking forward to seeing a couple of, of those new faces and seeing how they slot in as well. It's always, you know, it's such an exciting time when, when you're making your debut. And, of course, it's a, it's a bit of a debut for you as well, Jimmy. So uh, a big thanks to you for your time ahead of that big game and, and for having a chat with us. And also a big good luck from us for that first game and, and also the rest of the season too. No, thanks for your time, Frankie. Greatly appreciate it. Um... Yeah, love your work, and yeah, I'm sure we'll see you around again or connect again throughout the season. So yeah, thanks for your time. Uh, no worries at all. We will definitely be getting in touch through the season, hopefully talking about lots of Canterbury wins. That was Canterbury's FPC head coach Jimmy Sinclair ahead of their first game of the season, taking on Wellington this afternoon at Rugby Park. And that's all we have time for today on the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner. I can even see the sun starting to poke through, which is always a great start to the day. Have a great rest of your Matariki long weekend. Enjoy all the sport we've got on, and we'll catch you back here next week for more Red and Black Sports Chat.